Thank you for listening to this Aspen Abstract podcast, supported by a grant from Fresenius Cobby. Today we are discussing comparison of intravenous lipid emulsions in adult trauma patients receiving parenteral nutrition, a pilot study. The research discussed in this podcast was presented as a poster at Aspen 21. I'm pleased to have the opportunity to discuss this research with the authors. My name is David Evans, and I'm a trauma critical care surgeon and nutrition support specialist at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center. I'll be interviewing Alexis McGuigan from Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis, Indiana. Ms. McGuigan is the sole dietitian for this highly regarded level one trauma center there in Indianapolis and has been in that role for the past six years. They evaluated the use of four oil lipid emulsion delivered in a three-in-one perineural nutrition in their trauma patients compared to the prior strategy, which had been to withhold lipids for the first week of perineural nutrition followed by an initiation of 100% soy oil lipid emulsion. Thanks for joining me today, Alexis. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and giving me the opportunity to discuss my study. First, I wondered if you could tell us about your practice and the patients you've been treating and how you've been administering perineral nutrition in the past and what prompted your transition to four oil lipid. Yeah, like you said, I work at Eskenazi Health in Indianapolis, Indiana, and there I cover the surgical ICU as well as the level one trauma center patients. Um, the patients that I typically see are critically ill patients with traumatic injuries. I see a good mix of motor vehicle accidents, gunshot wounds, and other injuries. Typically, my patients are young, somewhere in the, their 20s to 50s, and healthy with minimal previous past medical history. Historically, we would initiate TPN on patients that were predicted to be MPO or without internal nutrition for a week or longer. These patients would receive amino acids and dextrose administrations while critically ill with lipids being held during the first week or longer if indicated uh, according to the attending physician and what they preferred. Uh, this practice was due to the fact that we had a 100% soybean oil lipid emulsion available at our facility historically. Once four oil lipid blends were approved in 2016, I worked to get these added to our formulary based on the positive literature that was being available at the time. I think it's interesting that you were holding soy oil lipid in the past, and that was in accordance with the Aspen SCCM guidelines, of course. Back when those guidelines were published in 2016, that was the most controversial recommendation. Only about two-thirds of the guideline participants voted in support of that recommendation. Personally, I've actually rarely withheld early lipids, and Anthony Gerlach from my old ICU had published that back in 2011. I think this one is one of the important points of your work, that listeners understand that you were holding the soybean oil lipid in the past in the first week, but in fact, um, just fewer than half of the patients in the historical soybean group actually got lipids because they only had perineral nutrition for approximately that first week where they were lipid-free for the first week of treatment. So one of the key points for our listeners who've held lipids for the first week in the ICU is understanding that you're now showing them data about what they can achieve when they do use a lipid in the first week by taking advantage of the newer lipid components. Now let's talk about what you found, starting by telling us about the energy prescription and energy delivery in the two groups. Right. We had been utilizing a two-in-one amino acid and dextrose prescription during critical illness. Um, and because of this, we were essentially maxing out a patient's glucose infusion rate to meet energy needs. Uh, in some cases, patients would not be provided 100% of their energy needs due to the dextrose load and having to watch that. Um, so 94% of the soybean oil lipid group received their goal rate. 
um, and that was because we were withholding those lipids. Compared to when we started using four oil lipid emulsions and utilizing those in the ICU, 100% of patients met their energy needs in that group. Uh, and then we also tracked energy delivery during the first week of their ICU stay. And this was calculated by dividing the energy received by the estimated energy needs. Due to the prolonged MPO status in those patients and uh, occasionally a delay in TPN initiation, those values were relatively low, albeit statistically significant. The four oil lipid group were provided about 40% of their estimated energy needs during the first week compared to the soybean oil group, which were provided 29% of estimated energy needs. Well, that's interesting to hear. So, I mean, clearly uh, in that earlier group, when you were withholding the lipids for the first week, you were often giving large amounts of dextrose. Did you have issues with glycemic management and did you see any changes or improvements when you transitioned over? Yes, majority of the patient's calories were provided via dextrose. As I mentioned previously, I was often maxing out the allowable glucose infusion rate to try to provide these patients adequate calories. As far as glycemic management, uh, we would monitor blood glucose levels in accordance with our hospital policies and adjust insulin management as needed. If there were continued concerns following medical management, then I would go in and reduce the dextrose prescription as the final step, uh, since this would often lead to underprescribing energy to patients with hypermetabolism of acute injury. Infection was one of your key outcomes. What did you find and why do you think there is a difference in the groups? Infection incidence was a primary outcome that I tracked uh, because of the preliminary research available concerning four oil lipid emulsions and the improved inflammatory markers, along with other promising outcomes that were being tracked initially. Infection incidence was monitored during initial hospitalization, and we found this to be significantly lower in the four oil lipid patient population compared to the soybean oil patient group. There were three episodes of infection for those receiving the four oil lipid blend, which was a 25% infection rate and then compared that to the soybean oil group, which had 13 separate incidents of infection, which was equivalent to a 76% infection rate. Uh, my incidence of infection findings could be attributed to many causes with the use of an anti-inflammatory intravenous lipid emulsion product. Research has been conducted with omega-3 fatty acid-enriched lipid emulsions and has found an improved immune response and reduced inflammation in postoperative surgical patients by monitoring serum levels of interleukin-6, necrosis factor alpha, and C-reactive protein. Researchers have also investigated alpha tocopherol levels in patients receiving four oil lipid emulsions as a cause of improved liver function and immune response due to their antioxidant function. So I think it's a combination of factors that led to an improved infection response that I saw in my study. You also looked at length of stay and saw some trends there. Can you tell us about that and why? There was a trend towards shortened length of stay in the ICU in the four oil lipid emulsion group, but it is important to note that this was not statistically significant. I saw a shortened length of stay from 13.2 days in the 100% soybean oil group to 9.8 days in the four oil lipid emulsion group. Uh, this is a difference of 3.4 days, which could be attributed to the increased complications that we saw with the soybean oil group. It has also become practice in our hospital in recent years to transfer patients to lower acuity units earlier into the admission as appropriate. So it's hard to say if the nutritional change made an impact or if this is purely correlational. I also wondered if considering lipids were often started later in the old practice, uh, if the delay in the lipid emulsion, you know, being started potentially made an impact as well. 
Right. It could be the amount of calories provided to these patients um, and other factors in those patients as well. Um, like I said, the complication rate was much higher in the soybean oil lipid emulsion. And is that because they were withheld or not if there was other contributing factors as well? Yeah, makes sense. Finally, you know, you saw that there was an impact in mortality. What did you find there? Mortality was a result that was statistically significant finding as well. In the soybean oil lipid group, there was a 23.5% mortality rate or four patients that expired during their initial hospitalization. And the four oil lipid emulsion group had zero deaths. You know, our listeners will definitely be impressed by your results. Have you kept this change in your process and have you made any other changes since then? Uh, yes, we have continued to utilize a four oil lipid blend as a first line lipid emulsion in parental nutrition support. And we no longer withhold lipids during the first week of an ICU stay. I'm interested in how you think this is going to change your practice overall in the future. You know, how did you engage with the surgeons and the other clinicians? You know, did they have any concerns about the fact that, you know, four oil lipid emulsions contain fish oil? You know, were they worried about bleeding? Did the anti-inflammatory lipid idea appeal to them? Was it something they were interested in or, uh, you know, how, how did you approach this in general? The process of bringing on a four oil lipid emulsion into my hospital involved staff education and passing through several different committees that involved physicians from the trauma center, as well as physician representatives from surgical and medical ICU. So during this process, we worked to get buy-in from the physicians. And the main concerns that were raised included utilizing lipids in the first week of the ICU stay and how that may impact inflammatory response. That was our historical practice and changing a large practice like that um, had some concerns. There was actually very little mention regarding the concern for bleeding risk with the fish oil. Coincidentally, in late 2018, which was around the time that we obtained a four oil lipid emulsion at my hospital, um, there was a study published in the Journal of the American Heart Association, which found no link between fish oil supplementation and perioperative bleeding risks, and further found that patients supplemented with fish oil required fewer blood transfusions during their hospitalization. So this study helped control some of those concerns that had been brought up. Uh, with the emerging literature supporting the use of a four oil enriched lipid blend, surgeons were much more open to the idea that lipids could be safe and potentially beneficial for their ICU patients. How did you typically dose your lipids? In early 2019, Aspen released a statement about parenteral nutrition dosing, and in 2020, there were International Lipid Summit recommendations published about lipid dosing guidelines. Are you considering higher doses as you move forward? Yes. So the 2019 Aspen uh, PN dosing guidelines only provided recommendations on soybean oil lipid emulsions. So I was very excited when the international consensus recommendations came out and it had further detailed recommendations for mixed oil lipid emulsions. Um, so I would have been utilizing those guidelines. Also, most recently in early 2021, Aspen created an intravenous lipid emulsion safety and dosing guidelines for four oil lipid emulsions, as well as other mixed oil lipids, uh, which I have found very useful. This guideline is similar to the four oil lipid emulsion monograph. Uh, which recommends one gram per kilo per day for patients as a starting point for lipid dosage. So I've been utilizing that information uh, to, which has increased some of my lipid provisions in patients and changed my practice somewhat. 
Typically, I start with one gram per kilogram in the ICU, which is typically between 25 and 30% of total energy needs, and adjust my prescription recommendation to better meet the patient's nutritional needs and avoid essential fatty acid deficiency as needed. Thank you, Alexis, for joining me today. We also want to thank Fresenius Kabi for providing us the opportunity to discuss your research. And as always, thank you to our audience for listening to this Aspen podcast. That's all for this episode. Please return to the Aspen channel of SoundCloud often to listen to our newest podcast. To support what we do, please share, subscribe, and leave a review over on SoundCloud.